It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 three one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study we welcome you into the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday february 24th 2011 thank you for being a part of the program tonight we look forward to your participation the number calls 877-381-4567 the email address to use is questions at collegeview Dot com And if you're watching us live tonight, you can join in the chat room with other listeners if you'll follow the instructions on the right of your screen there. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Welcome to the program. Jacob, great to be with you. We always look forward to Thursday night. Studying with you. Thanks. All right. Uh, we're glad that uh, you are here. And Anthony is behind the controls tonight, and he will comment from time to time. Anthony, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. It's good to be back. And your mic is working good. Everybody else's, I think, is a little flaky tonight. <laughs> uh, but you're good, loud and clear. All right. Um, we look forward to hearing from you. We're going to talk about an important subject tonight, Dad, and one that uh, is controversial and will be controversial with some of our listeners probably. Yeah, we want to talk about baptism tonight, and uh, we want to d- discuss some, some very basic things about baptism but we especially want to talk about, we're going to talk about a lot of things concerning baptism, Jacob, but we especially want to talk about some things that baptism doesn't do. And uh, our discussion was generated, and our, our friend Jim in Mount Pleasant sent us a link to a, a news article that commented about Billy Ray Cyrus. I think a lot of our listeners know who Billy Ray Cyrus is, country music uh-huh. star. And uh, he was... he. A, a, an interview with him came out last week. It's dated February 15th. Um, and he was bemoaning the fact that his family is in such a bad shape and that he's alienated from his famous daughter, Miley Cyrus. And uh, he said he wished the show Hannah Montana uh, had uh, never happened. He, he said he wished the show that launched his daughter to pop stardom had never happened. And her life is spinning out of control, he says. He says, I hate to say it, but yes, uh, I do. Yeah, I'd take it back in a second. For my family to be here and just be everybody okay, safe and sound and happy and normal, would be uh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd erase it all in a second if I could, he said. And so uh, the, the interview got a lot of attention because it was talking about how he was alienated from his daughter Miley Cyrus and things were going badly for his family, and he, he's unhappy about that. He would trade the stardom and the fame and the money. Uh, to go back to normal, he said. That's an interesting story in itself. But what caught our attention was something he said in the course of the interview. He said that his entire family was baptized before leaving Tennessee for Los Angeles, knows this, to, quote, protect themselves from evil. And he believes Satan is attacking his family. Well, I think he's probably right. I think Satan is attacking his family. Satan is constantly at work. First Peter chapter 5, verse 3 says he stalks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Certainly Satan wants to destroy everybody. And so Billy Ray Cyrus is not an exception there, and his family is not the only one. We're all under attack by Satan. Not only is he attacking his family, he's using his family as an instrument, I think, to yeah. attack other people. But the, the thing that, that caught our attention that we want to discuss is this statement that they were his whole family was baptized to protect themselves from evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think that's a flawed idea of what baptism is for and what it does. And, that, and so that sort of sparked the, the, the theme of our study tonight is to talk about baptism and especially to deal with things baptism doesn't do. All right. Look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're joining the chat room with other listeners. If you're not uh, signed in the chat room, you don't have to give any personal information. Just give yourself a nickname, and you can be chatting with other listeners uh, in the chat room tonight. Some things that baptism will not do. You had some questions you sent out earlier today. Earlier today to our update list, uh, as we always do on Thursday, shortly afternoon, we send out uh, a, an email to everybody on our update list to tell you what our topic is going to be and also to begin getting your feedback. And we've got some feedback, some good feedback, and we appreciate that. 
If you're not on our email list, uh, you can be on that list by simply sending us a, a message to questions at collegeview.com and just put in the subject line, add me to your list. We'll do it. Uh, also, if you have been on our list in the past but you're not getting it anymore, uh, look in your spam folder to see if, you, see if our messages are being diverted to the spam folder. Uh, that's happened to some people in the past. We have not purged our mailing list. So um, here are the questions that we sent out earlier. Number one, first of all, let's just talk about baptism itself. Is baptism necessary for salvation? Okay, is it necessary for salvation? And, and, I, and I expounded on that a little bit by saying give us a yes or no answer, but also give us your best argument in support of your position. If you think it is necessary, tell us why. If you think it's not, tell us why. Okay. Uh, that's question one. Number two, what is your understanding of what baptism does? That is, what does it accomplish for the one who is baptized? Uh -huh. Then, to the point of this uh, interview with Billy Ray Cyrus, number three was list the things that baptism does not do or accomplish for the one who is baptized. Billy says he, he was, uh, Billy Ray says he was baptized to protect him from evil. Yeah, he thought it would protect him from evil. Yeah, what do you that, think about that? Yeah. you think that baptism will do that for you? And then number four, what are the prerequisites for true Bible baptism? In other words, what, what, what's it take to be baptized properly according to the Scriptures? And then I asked a, a sort of a sub-question on that, sub-point. I think it's kind of interesting. We may not have a lot of time to talk about it at the end, but maybe we will. The sub-point on number four was, are there specific requirements for the person who does the baptizing? Stephen's already chimed in on that in the chat room tonight. We'll save his comments, hopefully, for the end. Hopefully, it won't slide off the screen. Uh, but yeah, Stephen, can... I, we see Stephen in the chat room. He's got a comment on that. Stephen, you, may, you might uh, clip that in your clipboard uh, and, and say that so you can paste it back into the chat room when we get to the, there to the last part so we can make sure and get your comment in. All right. Uh, yeah, the chat room should be fun tonight if you're not logged in. Follow the instructions below the chat window. Just click sign in, and uh, you can become uh, uh, signed in. Don't have any, have, have any personal information at all. And you can participate. But it really helps us if you give yourself an, at least a nickname, if not your true name. Give yourself a nickname so we can kind of keep track of If you don't do that, they're going to call you guest. Yeah, we've got guest up. two in there tonight. And that's be, okay. Be a, yeah, you, can be, you can be an anonymous as well. That's fine. Yeah. But give yourself a pseudonym, and then we can keep track of you a little easier. In the All, right. All right. And uh, the best way for you to co uh, comment tonight and be a part of the program is 877-381-4567. That is a toll-free number. And we're ready to take your call. Or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Let's deal with this first question first, Jacob. It's a very simple one, but but one that there's not complete agreement about. Uh, is baptism necessary for salvation? Yes or no? Give your reasons why. And we have some divergent answers tonight. Yeah, we, we got some different answers. Let's talk about it. Let's see what the Bible says. Number one, we got from Bill in New Brunfels, Texas, who says uh, baptism is Certainly, baptism is essential for salvation because the Bible says so in so many places and nor, none more that direct than Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Of course, that's Mark's account of the Great Commission when Jesus uh, was about to ascend to heaven, when he commissioned his apostles to go out and preach the gospel. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Mark 16, verse 15, 16. He says, the reason people do not believe this verse and the importance of it is that they do not understand what baptism does for one's soul. That may be so. Uh, but uh, uh, the verse is very clear. The verse is just pretty straightforward. It, it, you, I think almost, I, I'm sure that everybody who's listening tonight and who has responded, at least uh, with emails, agrees that you have to believe to be saved. Yeah, there's a conjunction between and, believe and, and baptize. And the conjunction and is between believed and saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It doesn't say he that believeth shall be saved. It says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's, that's a very simple grammatical construction. We've illustrated it on the virtual Bible study before, Jacob. If, if they told you, if you saw an ad in the newspaper that everyone who shows up at the Ford dealership tomorrow morning and brings a can of baked beans yep. will, will receive a, a new car, you would not think about showing up there without a can of baked beans. No, no one would argue when they yeah. got there. I, I didn't. I didn't bring a can of baked beans, but I still want my free car. Yeah, uh, I mean, everybody would understand that's that simple statement shows two necessities: come to the Ford dealership, bring your can of baked beans. Well, that's 
and we're not trying to belittle the importance no. of this scriptural no. statement, but I'm just saying common sense dictates the meaning of that statement. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Interesting that someone would say that. They show up at the Ford dealership and, with a can of baked beans and you'll get a free car. No one would argue, well, this is not a free car. I, I bought it with my can of baked beans or earned it with my can of baked beans. Mm-hmm. We can get in that later, but uh, yeah. that's another uh, interesting uh, observation eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Yeah, we've got an email from Vicky in East Tennessee who says one verse that is straight to the point that I like to use is First Peter three twenty one. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can't really say it any plainer than baptism doth also save us. So um, I think that is a plain statement. I mean, it says baptism is is if is effective in saving the soul. But if you, if you, did, you don't believe it is necessary, then you have to explain why First Peter three twenty one says it saves us, and you're saying it doesn't save us. So tell, explain the, the contradiction. You know, I, I like that verse too uh, that Vicky mentioned because it, it goes on to explain it's not just the putting away the filth of flesh. In other words, it's not just getting your body wet, washing the dirt off your off your physical flesh, but rather it is that act when engaged in as the answer of a good conscience toward God. When from our heart we respond in that simple act of obedience, that's what makes it But, of course, the power of it all, he says, is by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross, if he hadn't resurrected from the dead, you could be baptized a million times and it would never save your soul. But because of the work that Jesus did, when we respond in a good conscience toward God in the act of baptism, it saves us. Not earning our salvation. Right. But it is an act of obedience. Uh, in order to be saved. Uh, Randy in uh, Jackson, Missouri, sends in his uh, answers, and uh, before that, he gives us a uh, preface to his answers. He says, since I differ from you on the subject, I thought it would add some fuel to the fire for you to use on the VBS. I've answered the questions below. You often encourage people to let uh, you know their disagreements if they have any, so here are mine. Don't get me wrong. I'm very serious about baptism. I think every saved person should be baptized by immersion as soon as possible after salvation, on the other hand, I don't think baptism provides an instant shield from going to hell, nor do we, by the way. And if an earthquake occurs on the walk to the baptistry and the person is killed, I don't think they'll go to hell. And so he said he'd try to be listening tonight. And he gives this answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I'm not in, in your camp of saying that baptism saves. I do have some strong views about baptism. If a person is aware that the Scriptures command baptism and they refuse or neglect to be baptized, I wonder about the genuineness of that person's salvation. Okay. Randy is a good friend. I, I was just thinking today, Randy, if you're listening, we've, I've been knowing Randy for over 40 years. I haven't wow. seen him in a long time, but we've been knowing him. And you're we, still friends. We went to school together. Uh, I mean, we actually did go to school at one time in the past, and uh, Randy and I were in school together. He's a great guy. Randy, thanks. And Randy frequently participates, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to have contact with him. We do disagree on this subject, unfortunately. Uh, and so I, I wanted to analyze what he said. Uh, he says that a saved person should be baptized by immersion as soon as possible after salvation. Uh, now, I want to contrast that. Well, we could contrast that with several things, but I want to contrast that with what Ananias told Saul of Tarsus, for instance. That's interesting. In Acts chapter 22, the Apostle Paul retells his own conversion. We know, we know that, that uh, he was converted in Acts chapter 9. But in chapter 22 of Acts, he retells the story of his own conversion. Right. And when he got to the city of Damascus, he, he remember he had seen the Lord on the road to Damascus. I believe he became a believer. He called him Lord. I believe he was a believer on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. But, but he was struck blind. For three days he was blind. He went, they led him on into the city of Damascus. After three days, a man named Ananias came to him. Mm-hmm. So... Again, he had seen the Lord. He had called him Lord on the road to Damascus when Ananias came to him. And Paul's recounting this. So Paul certainly believes this is the way it happens. And he's been praying. Yeah. Acts 9 says during that interim period, he'd been praying. But when Ananias came in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, he says, Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So here's Paul. At that time, of course, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was. I, I'm. I'm fully convinced. I don't think it could be effectively argued. He was a believer, but he wasn't saved, and he had to be baptized for what reason? Not to demonstrate that he was already saved, but in order to wash his sins away. 
And uh, so we hear, see here from Ananias that salvation occurs at the same point of baptism. It's not before, and then you're baptized. You're baptized and you wash away your sins. You've got your sins Still up until the point of baptism, so you're not saved until you're baptized. Exactly right. And that, that corresponds with 1 Peter 3, 21, at Mark 16, 15, and 16. This harmonizes with the explanations that we've given so far. Exactly right. All right, we're going to take a short break. And then we'll get uh, back to the discussion. What do you think about baptism? Is baptism necessary for salvation? And when we get to the, back from the break, we'll get into the question of uh, what baptism does. What does it accomplish for the one who is baptized? Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when you went to church and heard sermons that clearly set forth the New Testament plan of salvation? Can you recall when churches rang out with lessons that plainly exposed false teachers and false doctrines? Can you think back to a time when preachers and members of the church were set for the defense of the gospel? If you are craving to find a congregation that is like the church you can remember from years ago, like the church back in the first century, please visit the College View Church soon. They're trying hard to be a church just like the church you remember, like the one you read about in your Bible. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ. Ponder this. Rules for success don't work unless you do. Be thankful, not because God needs it, but because you do. I wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We're glad you're part of the program. We're talking about baptism, what it doesn't do. We started the, what really kicked this story off, ironically, is a story about Billy Ray Cyrus. It says he baptized his family to shield them from evil. And we want to talk about uh, that. Do you think baptism shields you from evil? And uh, We're going to get to that part of the study. What we think what baptism doesn't do. Uh, so you know where we're coming from on that question. We don't think we think Billy Ray Cyrus was way off when he thought he could be baptized. Well, the proof is in the pudding because yeah. it didn't work. Yeah, his family certainly wasn't spared from evil. They, they by his own admission, they've just come apart uh, at the seams. So we'll talk about that. Got some. We got a lot of chat going on in the chat room. I see Mike in Indiana mentions again. First Peter three twenty one says that baptism. It says it saves us, but it does not save us because we are saved by works. We agree. Uh, not meritorious works of our own. Uh, he also mentions Acts 2.38, which says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So baptism is for the remission of sins. Um, then uh, Clyde in the, in the chat room says, Not all baptism saves, and he references Acts 18, verse 25, uh, and that's where Apollos was baptizing in the, in the name of John. And, of course, John's baptism had been superseded by Jesus' baptism at that point. So, in other words, you got to be – I think the point of that, and we'll talk more about that as we go along, baptism has to be for the right reason and with the right understanding. It, and it, I would add to what Clyde says, that as you go in, on into chapter 19 of Acts in the city of Ephesus, Paul meets some men who were who had been baptized but didn't know – about Jesus Christ, and so they had to be baptized again. All right, speaking of Mike uh, from Orleans, Indiana, he's on the phone now. Mike, uh, welcome to the virtual Bible study in person now. <laughs> yeah, hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, glad you're here. Uh, so I was just going to call in and, and uh, put my two cents worth in. Um, you know, I, it was just, uh, I think, a week ago Thursday, uh, I think it was the South End Church of Christ in Louisville, Kentucky, had a, a, a I, I guess a forum meeting that they would call it, uh, where they answered arguments against baptism. Basically, what they had is a session where four speakers were. Uh, they stood up and gave, uh, you know, a, a speeches that were shorter than 10 minutes, and then they sat down. And the the rest of the the remainder of the period, which it was almost two hours long, uh, the remainder of the period, they opened it up for the public to be able to come up and ask any questions that they wanted to or to make any kind of statement. And, you know, I'm not saying that everyone would be like this. I, I certainly would never say that. But it, it was just amazing. Within those maybe the 30 minutes or so that those four men stood up and gave brief descriptions of what baptism was, it was amazing to me that some of the people who would object to baptism um, of the, of, the, of the multitude of passages that they brought up in a very short period of time that dealt with baptism, most of the objections to baptism had absolutely nothing to do with the 
passages concerning baptism. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't address the passages. And, uh, you know, I guess one, one passage that I like to go to, um, because whether no matter where you're coming from on this issue, most, most of your Protestant denominations will agree that we're saved by the blood of Christ. Is that your experience? Exactly, yeah. I don't, I, in fact, I don't find anybody who would argue that point. Well, then, you know, one of the, I guess, uh, the sad but also comical moments of that meeting was when, you know, one of the opponents against baptism being in, involved in the, in the salvation process, um, J.R. Bronger was one of the speakers there, and uh, uh, he, he took this fellow to, uh, you know, they agreed that, that uh, the blood, the, the, I guess, what I'm trying to say is his objection was that there was no passage in the Bible that would connect the blood of Christ that we're saved by and baptism. And J.R. Bunger took him to, you know, of course, Romans chapter 6, where it likens it to a, a death, burial, and resurrection in the first six verses there or so. Right. And J.R. Bunger tried to help him to see that, and I think he, he suddenly realized that he was backed into a corner that there was the blood of Christ in, in baptism, and he tried taking him to, to verse 3 that said, you know, as many as, as, as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into what? And the fellow said, uh, in, in, into his life. No. <laughs> and J.R. Bunger said, no, let's read it again. What, what, what are we baptized into? And he said, well, into his life. He says, no, it says into his death. He said, no, into his life. And it, it just got to be this, this contest about, you know, this fellow just absolutely, absolutely would not admit that, he, that, it was, that we're baptized into his death, and, and that's where we meet. Obviously, there's a connection between the death, death and the and blood, and blood of Christ. Christ. That's where the blood of Christ and, and, and the, the whole imagery of Romans chapter 6 doesn't work if you're saved before you're baptized. No. Because you're right. already walking in newness of life, and you're getting buried, and uh, it, it doesn't work. Exactly right. Mike, well, in my margin of my die Bible. again somehow. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But. Yeah, in the margin of my Bible, Mike, I've got written by Romans 6, verse 3, there's the blood. Yeah. You know, that, that, and, and as you said, I, I think everyone agrees that the blood of Jesus is essential to the saving of anybody's soul. How do we contact the blood? That passage in Romans 6 ties the blood with baptism, and I think it works. Thank yeah. you, exactly right, Mark. Mike. And, I, and I, I guess my plea with anybody who would disagree would be if, if baptism is not what we're talking about, if it's not involved in the process of salvation, then my question would be scripturally, not, not through opinion or we think so, but where is the scripture that tells me what baptism does or what it's for? You know, yeah. you know I mean, uh, what, what I'm trying to get at is, is you know, we've, we've heard the argument baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace or something like that. It's to, it's to show people that you are saved, but where is the passage that says that? Yeah, you I know? think you're right. So, I think it's not there. It's my knowledge is not there. So good. well, I, if, if if it's there, I'd be interested to, to hear it tonight. Thanks, thanks, Mike. Bye. Thanks for calling from Indiana tonight. You bet. Well, thanks a lot. Take care. Good guys. to hear from you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, the line is open. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Appreciate Mike for calling in uh, from uh, up in Indiana tonight. Good uh, point. In the chat room, there's a there's a clarification on something I said. And I think it's a, a right and proper clarification. Dean and uh, uh, and John in Oklahoma. I think Dean in Louisiana. Both of them said. Concerning First Peter 3:21, the answer of a good conscience toward God, uh, Dean says that uh, it, it is saying we are baptized be, not because we have a good conscience, but that we are seeking a good conscience. I think that's right. And John adds the English Standard Version uses the phrase that it's an appeal for a good conscience okay. in First Peter 3:21. I think it's good. Thank you for those comments. Good to hear from John and Dean tonight. If you'd like to comment, uh, join in the chat room or give us a call 877-381. Four, five, six, seven. Stephen says the Levites at the temple worship after offering the animal sacrifices had to remove their dirty clothes and completely immerse themselves in the molten sea, after which they put on clean clothes prior to entering the tabernacle to offer incense. He says compare that with the language of Galatians 3.27. He says this pre-pictures baptism, uh, and I, I think that's a good observation. Galatians 3. Verses 26 and 27, another good passage showed the necessity of baptism. You're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, and for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We're baptized into Christ. Faith is obviously essential. Just like Mark 16, 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized, certainly faith is essential. So is baptism. 
here in Galatians 3, 26 and 27, we're saved by faith in Christ Jesus, and we're baptized into Christ. We've got to be in Christ. Ephesians 1, verse 3 says all spiritual blessings are in Christ. We've got, we got to be in Christ to have spiritual blessings. How do we get in Christ? We're baptized into Christ. All right. John is also uh, commented in the chat room, says Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 reads, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Again, the imagery over and over again is this is, uh, this is uh, representative of Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. We die with Christ, we're buried with him, and we're raised to walk in newness of life. If we're saved before baptism, all of that imagery breaks down. It does not make sense. If we are saved and we're alive spiritually before baptism, then how are we then dying, buried, and risen again? It doesn't work. If you're saved before you're baptized, then that imagery has you burying a live person. If, right. if they, Committing if, murder. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't. It, the imagery there of, of Romans 6 doesn't work. All right. Uh, we got an email from Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee. says, although I believe there are several good arguments for salvation, probably not any one is any better than the other. Taking the Bible for the whole is how we should approach the subject. The argument that I would like to present is found in Hebrews 8, beginning verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there should have been no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days are coming. He goes on and, and quotes uh, uh, and then I, I want to go to Wade's conclusion rather than reading that whole text. He says, remember the people before the new covenant was were, uh, were born a Jew. He is saying that you will know the Lord now before you enter it. In other words, uh, he's saying in that passage, those under the old covenant were born into that by physical birth. Right. right. But now he says, the, verse 11 there uh, says that they shall not teach everyone his fellow servant, his fellow citizen, and everyone his brother, saying, "Know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest." When he says, "All will know me from the least to the greatest," he's suggesting that uh, you'll know the Lord before you enter into this prerequisite new, new covenant. And then he references Galatians 3:26, "You're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus." For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And we become heirs according to the promise. So, again, he links that to being baptized into Christ. Thanks, Wade. Quickly, uh, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia says, yes, baptism is necessary for salvation. He references Acts 2.38, 1 Peter 3.21, Mark 16.16, Galatians 3.27. These passages are so clear that any comment would be redundant. And then we have a dissenting view from Sherry. Uh, do we know where Sherry is? Uh, Wisconsin, I think. Okay, Wisconsin. Uh, Sherry says uh, people are saved and get to go to heaven by believing that Jesus is the Christ and putting their faith in him. Baptism alone does not save. We agree with that. However, being saved and baptism are always t tied together. The Bible is clear. Belief and baptism were always together. Thus, when we believe, it is the right time to be baptized. If you believe sometime back and were not baptized, then this should become a priority for you to fulfill what God asked you to do in the Bible. I also believe that you need to understand what being saved means before you should be baptized. I agree with that statement, too. The only part that what's a little unclear, but uh, I think the implication of Sherry's statement is that she's suggesting you could be saved without be, before and without being baptized, and I just can't find that in the scripture. Okay, all right. Well, we need to take a break, and uh, we'll get this week's bullet point. Anthony is behind the controls tonight, ready to take your call. Anthony, everything running okay over there? Yeah, I think we're doing okay. You're fighting a cold, and uh, you you were a little bit slow at, on the start. But, yeah, uh, so I uh, apologize for that. A little fuzzy tonight with the whatever's going around down here in, in Columbia, so apologize. Well, we're, we're holding it together, and we'll <laughs> get through it tonight. We look forward to your comments and your participation to help us get through. What do you think about baptism? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Our society has made a tradition of honoring heroes of one sort or another. The idea is that some folks deserve special attention and praise. It is understood that these individuals will become role models for the rest of us to imitate. By their acts of courage and selflessness, or by the display of other admirable traits, they have become sources of encouragement for all. Unfortunately, the assignment of hero status has taken a wrong turn in recent times. These days, the popular heroes are sports figures and music stars. A very casual examination of their personal lives shows many of them to be indecent, immoral, and downright disgusting. There is nothing in them to be honored or admired. Their example is one of total lack of self-control or discipline. They are not legitimate heroes. 
Their influence is for the bad, not for the good. May we suggest some better heroes? The people we have in mind will never receive front-page coverage in the newspapers or make the cover of magazines, yet they are heroes in the truest sense. They give generously of themselves to help others. Their actions are selfless. They do not seek anything in return. They simply aim to do good, to glorify God, and to help their brethren and fellow men. They are the faithful Christians found in every sound congregation. They carry their share of the load. They teach classes, work to reach the lost sinners, live pure lives in a wicked world. They are elders, deacons, Bible class teachers, dedicated mothers and fathers, respectful teenagers. They are simply Christians who are striving to live as God has commanded. May God bless them all. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3, 17. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We encourage you to come and visit with us if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're listening to our podcast and have never been to our website, Lots of good information there, including archives of all of our programs for almost six years. We're going on six years now. You can find all those at our website. Visit thevirtualbiblestudy.com and contact us anytime if you have any questions or comments about the things you've heard on the program. We're talking about baptism tonight and what baptism won't do. Well, do you believe yeah. baptism is required for yeah. salvation? What do you think about baptism? We got to get to that. Uh, we so we're gonna, there's and we we're, could go all night on the necessity of baptism. We, we we've gone a little long. I was uh, about to say waste time. We're not wasting time. No. It's a great discussion, but we've got to move on. Mike made a uh, point. He says, uh, uh, "Oh, if I can get back to it, uh, I've lost it here." Oh, he's, he, he's he, was, he, he was saying that. Uh, uh, oh, he says. So many passages are difficult to harmonize with the rest of the scriptures if baptism is not coupled with salvation. I think that's true. I mean, they're just abundant arguments. Baptism is linked to our We're salvation. trying to harmonize all the scriptures. We're not just taking one passage out and standing on it and making the, and ignoring the other passages. We're trying to harmonize them all, and it is impossible to do that unless you uh, agree that baptism is required for salvation. Yeah, and, and we've kind of, in the process of this, we've kind of already discussed question two, Jacob. Our second question is, what is your understanding of what baptism does? That is, what it accomplishes for the one who is baptized. Uh, real quickly, let's read our emails. But we, we've covered most of this already, but uh, Bill in Texas says, Baptism, by being immersed, washes one's sins away and puts one in contact with the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ that saves us, not the water. We are baptized into his death, Romans 6, 3 and 4, 1 Peter 3, 21. Again, we've talked about those passages. Very good, Bill. We are passive in the act of baptism. We are not working. The person doing the baptism is actually the one doing the working. Baptism is a work of God, not man. Still don't understand? Turn over and read just two more scriptures, and you'll be convinced. In Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. In other words, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, I'm shedding my blood for the remission of sins. He didn't shed his blood because sins were already remitted. He shed his blood so that sins could be remitted. And Bill points out that that's the exact same construction in Acts 2.38, which says that baptism is for the remission of sins. Identical right. words in English and Greek. Right. And, and so if Jesus shed his blood, not because sins were already forgiven, but so that they would be forgiven, then Acts 2.38 says we're baptized not because our sins are already forgiven, but so that they will be forgiven. All right. Uh, good points, Bill. All right, Randy in Jackson, Missouri. Again, Randy disagrees with us. He says baptism is an act of obedience that demonstrates the person's salvation through the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, I, we did, Randy, I, I love you, but I disagree with you on that. I, think that's, I just don't think that harmonizes what we've been reading here. All right. Uh, we, 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 would, we, would, if, we would need a, a scripture that would show that, and uh, the scriptures just don't show that. They, they, that, uh, that concept's nowhere to be found in the scriptures. Right. Uh, and um, Chris in Atlanta says it puts us into Christ, Galatians 3 and 27. It puts us into contact with the blood of Christ, Romans 6, verse 3. Very good. All right. All right. So I think that covers that. Let's, let's, let's go on to this part that really generated our interest in this discussion, Jacob, the, the quote from Billy Ray Cyrus in which he said his entire family was baptized before leaving Tennessee for Los Angeles to protect themselves from evil. But he, it, as you said earlier, Jacob, it, it hadn't worked because this in this interview, Billy Ray Cyrus talks about how his family has just come apart. They're, they're, they're doing no good at all. 
and he wishes they had never gotten into that show business thing because now their lives are a wreck. He's getting a divorce from his wife. He's he's not on speaking terms with his daughter Miley, and the whole he thing. He's on a crash course like Michael Jackson yeah. and uh, Anna Nicole Smith, Kurt Cobain. Yeah. So I mean. Uh, it's gone from bad to worse. You know, just a side note, uh, anyone who has a fame and stardom as their aspiration ought to take some uh, some advice from Billy Ray Cyrus and others who it's destroyed their lives. Exactly right. So now, what does baptism not do? That was the question. We think Billy Ray Cyrus was completely misinformed and made a wrong judgment to think that he, if they were baptized, if his family was baptized, they'd go out there to Los Angeles and no evil could approach them because they've been baptized. My question to him was, who told you that and where did they find that in the Bible? I don't find that in the Bible. It's like we've got a force field around here. Something evil yeah. just bounces off. If, if that was the case, then there would be no warnings stated to people who were baptized in the New Testament. You know, the, But the New Testament is full of ample warnings uh, that we have to be on our guard, even as Christians. The, I referenced uh, earlier, Jacob, First Peter 5, verse 8, written to Christians, where the warning is, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary is the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. If baptism, like Billy Ray Cyrus apparently thought, kind of put a force field shield around you and evil couldn't penetrate, then this would have said, don't worry about watching out for Satan, because he can't get you. You have been baptized, and you are safe. And it doesn't say that. You know, that may be part of the reason why he's having some of the problems. He he says here, I quote, I should have been a better parent. I should have said enough is enough. It's getting dangerous, and somebody's going to get hurt. I should have, but I didn't. Honestly, I didn't know the ball was out of bounds until it was way up in the stands somewhere. So maybe he, he thought that, uh, that baptism was going to protect him from this evil, and he didn't have his his uh, guard up and, and uh, wasn't prepared to combat it, as the Scriptures teach us. The devil is going to be a roaring lion. He's going to seek to devour us, and so we've got to be aware. Anthony, any thoughts uh, from behind the controls tonight? Uh, no, I, I think your last point there makes makes a lot of sense. It's really, it's really sad, uh, you know, that um, that someone could things could get that bad. I mean, obviously there's celebrities and and so forth and so on, but it, it's an unfortunate situation. But I, it it is very odd that, that they would have this view of baptism as almost more like a some sort of ritual or, uh, you know, it make, almost makes it sound like witchcraft or something. But um, but as Greg pointed out, if baptism were some sort of miraculous shield, then we wouldn't have all these warnings uh, in the New Testament, as Greg pointed all out. All right. John in Edmond, Oklahoma says, baptism does not keep us saved, while belief, repentance, and baptism results in us being baptized into the body of Christ. Being baptized does not keep us saved. If we leave the fellowship of Christ, baptism will not return us to the fellowship. Only repentant change will return us to the fellowship of Christ. I think that's right. You know, the idea that you could be protected from evil by being baptized or being, being a, a, a righteous, God-fearing person even, is not true. Jesus himself was tempted. Here, here, here he was, the perfect sinless son of God, and yet he was still tempted. Uh, uh, James chapter 1, verse 14 says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bring forth sin, and sin when it's finished, bring forth death. Every man is tempted. It, says. it doesn't say those who haven't been baptized will be tempted. Right. But you who have been baptized, don't worry about it. No, it says every man is tempted. Now, the promise we have is not that we're going to be kept from temptation, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, that God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And so the promise of God is not that you won't be tempted. You can deal with the temptation. But he'll make it possible for us to deal with the temptations that come our way. All right, 877-381-4567, email questions at collegeview.com. You know, baptism isn't going to solve all our problems. And I think, uh, Dad, I've known people in the past who thought being baptized would just patch everything up, fix all the problems, and uh, they found out shortly after their baptism that it didn't. And I think uh, they, they fell away as a result of that. Yeah, maybe they were disappointed that they didn't get what they thought they were going to get from it. That everybody, and the Lord never promised us that everything would be perfect in this life. He promised us everything would be perfect in the life to come. But in this life, we, we have the history of those first century Christians who suffered horrible persecutions. Uh, and we know that they suffered many things because of their service to the Lord. 
we should not think that baptism is going to put up some kind of protection against the attacks of Satan or the evil that other men might try to do to us. Yeah, in fact, we've been guaranteed that we're going to have problems. James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Uh, we've been promised that we're going to have difficult times. In fact, we are told to embrace those times as they will make us stronger. Second Timothy 3, verse 12 says, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Yeah, that's doesn't, a promise. Then say maybe. It says it will happen. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. What will baptism not do? Uh, we have uh, Bill in uh, Texas. He says, baptism uh, does not stamp us forever approved for the kingdom of God. That's true. It does not. It's not a, a, a permanent stamp. And then uh, Randy in Jackson, Missouri says, again, I would disagree with your position on this subject. I do not think the waters of baptism wash away sins in a mechanical way. Baptism only washes away sins in the sense that the, bab that the person enters a new spiritual state as a result of their salvation and desire to be obedient in baptism. If baptism washed away sin, then we should baptize babies or force baptism on adults as the medi medieval emperors did. Well, we would disagree again. Well, uh, we don't I, believe it I, washes them away in a mechanical way. No, we don't think it's a mechanical way. We, I think we try to point out that it's w when we come to the Lord in obedience, mm -hmm. uh, our faith in Christ leads us to obedience, but it's at the point of baptism when that salvation is accomplished, when we access the blood of Jesus, as we point out in Romans 6, verse 3. But notice, he said, if baptism washed, he says, uh, uh, if, if baptism washed away sin, well, baptism does wash away sin. We already referenced Acts 22:16. Arise to be baptized. Wash away thy sins. So baptism does wash away sins. He says, well, then should we baptize babies or force baptism on adults as some of medieval emperors did? That's a good segue to our next question. Well, the answer to that is no, because we understand that baptism has to be obedience from the heart. In Romans chapter 6, Verse 17 beginning, Romans 6, 17, God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. But notice, they obeyed from the heart. In order for baptism to be effective, it has to be obedience that comes from a sincere heart. And I would agree with Randy that someone baptizing a baby or forcing someone to be baptized who didn't want to be would, would be doing nothing more than getting their body wet. But when we, when we obey from the heart this form of doctrine, then it is effective to salvation. All right. And Chris in Atlanta, Georgia says uh, what baptism does not do, he says pretty much anything not listed in the question above of what baptism does. It does not protect us from evil. He references 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. It does not aid in dedicating a baby's life to God, as in infant baptism. And it is not to be used every time a Christian sins, i.e. being baptized every time you are in sin. Appreciate those comments. Mike's got another comment in the chat room. You know, some people want to equate baptism with works and say we're not saved by works. That's Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Uh, by faith we're saved by grace. That not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We've, we've, we've explained Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 before. The key to that verse is right there at the end of verse 9 where it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. The kind of works that are not a part of our salvation are the kind of works that we might boast about. And, we're, and so there's no works of merit. There's no works to earn salvation, nothing that we could boast of. And so that passage is precluding any works of meritorious service whereby we could claim that we earned our salvation. That, we agree. It has nothing to do with it. But that does not preclude obedience, works of obedience. In fact, Mike points out, he says, as for arguments that we must only believe because we're not saved by works, John 6:29 says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. And so there Jesus uh, equated faith as a work necessary. The King James says, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent, John 6:29. So it, that kind of faith itself is a work uh, uh, of compliance, meeting God's conditions tell you for one, salvation. One, uh, something that's, uh, I think baptism is probably the least of any of the works, the very passive, any of the things that we must do in order to be saved, very passive. Repentance is a lot more of a work than baptism. In fact, even confession is more of a work than baptism. Well, you think about it, you know, if, if the definition of work is 
expending calories. In other words, actually doing something physical. If that's the definition you're going to put on work, then confession is is actually has to be categorized as a work because it doesn't take much, but it t- takes some expense of calories to to force the air out of your lungs, past your larynx and out your mouth to say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, I didn't burn very many calories when I said that, but I burned some, and therefore, if that's the definition of work, then that's a work. But it's not a work that would earn my salvation, but it's a work necessary uh, in order to be saved. And repentance from sin requires a lot more effort than it does to get baptized. I think so, too. All right. We'll take a break and get this week's uh, get this last break uh, for tonight. Then we we'll go to the top of the hour. Uh, the program is going by fast, and hopefully you agree on the other side. And hopefully you've got some comments you'd like to share. The chat room is very busy tonight. We'll miss some of those comments. The best way for you to comment tonight is by giving us a call, 877-381-4567. The virtual Bible study goes to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Do you remember when no one would have thought twice about getting the church involved in daycare centers, kindergartens, softball leagues, and youth camps? Are you upset when churches spend more time and money on social programs and recreational activities than on spreading the gospel? Are you tired of seeing congregations with their emphasis in entirely the wrong areas? The College View Church is still preaching the same gospel and practicing the same things that you remember from years ago. They're committed to the idea of speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible is silent. Check them out. Visit the College View Church of Christ. I am Lester Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight, and we're glad that you are as well. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about what baptism will not do tonight, a little different uh, slant on it tonight. Jay, I might add one more thing before we go to our last question, but one more thing that we should kind of summarize what baptism won't do, it will not assure us of going to heaven, even if we've been baptized. Uh, this would kind of overlap with another subject that we have often discussed on the virtual Bible study, and that is the idea of once saved, always saved. If you're saved at the point of baptism, you know, really, regardless of the position you take on baptism, whether it's for salvation, as we believe the Bible clearly teaches, or whether you believe you do it to show you've been saved, as has been suggested, either way, that that is not a ticket punched and a guaranteed entrance into heaven because the Bible clearly says we can lose our salvation even after having obtained it. Uh, we reference Galatians 5, verse 4 pretty often, where it says you can fall from grace. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 21 says, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So, uh, you know, baptism, I, I, I'm, I'm just convinced the Bible clearly teaches the necessity of baptism, but it is not going to protect us from current evil or guarantee us an entrance into heaven. We've got to be faithful to the Lord. All right. Danny from uh, Greenville, Mississippi, has joined in tonight. He's from, uh, says they've been out of uh, touch. Uh, down, the Internet was down due to a storm. So There's a big line of storms headed our way, Danny, and uh, I think we're going to get off the air before it hits here. I was thinking about I was looking at that earlier to see how that timing was going to hit us. Glad that Danny's out there. You might send us an email or a message in the chat room. Let us know where you're listening from tonight. If you're not signed in the chat room, again, it's very easy to do. Uh, no personal information is required. You can give a nickname. You don't have to give your true identity. Uh, if you just send us a, a message in the chat room, let us know where you're listening tonight. We know we have Dean in Louisiana, John in Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, Mike and Paul are both in Indiana tonight. Wade's in Tennessee. Uh, Danny's Sharon's in, in South Carolina. Mississippi. Sharon's in South Carolina. We're all around tonight, and so we've got a good audience. We appreciate you being out there. Um, Real quickly, we got, we're going to be out of time. Let's go to the fourth and last question we asked earlier. What are the prerequisites of true Bible baptism? And specifically, are there requirements for the person who does the baptizing? Chris in Atlanta says, you must be old enough to understand sin, your need for a Savior, and so forth. You must be taught the truth, believe the truth, repent, and be willing to stay faithful. He says, I've not studied or recall reading anything about requirements for the person who does the baptizing, but off the top of my head, I would not think that they are required to be a baptized believer. If they are, then none of us are saved because someone had to baptize the first Christian after the restoration many decades ago, and odds are they were not baptized before. I, I think that Chris has hit, just to sort of take the, the last part of that question first, I think Chris has hit upon the answer to that question. 
there, there are no stated requirements for the person doing the baptizing. Uh, you know, if you think about that, God in his wisdom would not have made it so because I baptized you years ago, Jacob. Mm -hmm. But if I had to be a faithful Christian in order to baptize you, then your salvation depended upon my status. And then I would have to be able to prove that the guy who baptized, in order for me to say that I'm a, a, a right person, I'd have to be able to prove that the guy who baptized me was a, a proper Christian, and he'd have to prove the one that baptized him was, and you'd have to be able to, to draw an unbroken chain all the way back to the first century to the lives of the apostles. And the Lord wouldn't, the Lord is too wise to to make a system like that, knowing that it would be completely unworkable. And this is where we need that comment from Stephen. And as we feared, it slipped off the screen. So, Stephen, if you still have that, you can paste it back in the chat room. We'll be glad to include that in our discussion. Uh, but uh, certainly so. And, um, well, Randy, uh, here's what Randy says about the prerequisites for baptism. He says, I would say the prerequisites for a person being baptized are that they understand why they are being baptized and they desire baptism. As far as I can tell from Scripture, there are no requirements for the person doing the baptism. I'm sure there are many people who have been baptized by people who are not actually true believers. Those baptisms are still effective. Here's an interesting question. Could a person be baptized by a mechanical device and it still be a valid baptism? That's a good question. Well, hey, well let's add, I, there's Bill in Texas adds a similar question, so let's talk about it. Uh, he says, the man on the street or your favorite chef can baptize you, and in the case of an individual on a remote island with only his Bible and no one else, if he came to the realization that he needed to be baptized, he could wade out in the water and baptize himself, and if he lived faithfully to death, could be ushered into heaven. Uh, I think that's probably true. I, I think that's a hypothetical case that, is so unlikely as to not even have to argue it. But I again, I, I see no requirements of the baptizer, although we certainly have the Bible uh, examples of those who baptized others. In other words, it, you, you are to be baptized. It's a, it, it is a passive act. It happens to you. Someone baptizes you. Uh, I don't think there's any requirement for that baptizer, but it, the, the wording suggests you submit to this, and someone does it. Yeah. Well, along those lines, Stephen has sent his comment back in. Is, is basically saying if if you believe that uh, you know maybe there was a certain movement where people began to follow the truth where they hadn't before, then how do you get how do you start the the, the chain of baptisms? It requires a faithful person to baptize you, and uh, you're in a group of people that have haven't believed the truth in the past, and now you do. Where, how do you start? How do you start, uh, how do you start the chain? Yeah, how do you start the chain? John asked a question. And I don't have an answer for it. He's, he says, "To whom would the man alone on the island confess his belief?" Because we know that you know we didn't really answer that question. What are the prerequisites of true Bible baptism? Well, you have to be taught, and you have to believe. Mm -hmm. uh, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Uh, Romans ten seventeen. Hebrews 11:6 says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and He's rewarded them who diligently seek Him." So you have to be, you have to hear, and you have to believe. And upon that faith, then you must repent of your sins. Luke 17, uh, verse, Luke 13, verse 3 says, "Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish." And then you must be baptized for the remission of sins. Acts 2:38. So, leading up to baptism, you have to be taught. You have to believe, you have to repent, you have to confess. I think I left out confession, didn't I, Jacob? Romans 10, verse 9, 10, with the heart man believeth unto salvation, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we've got to confess. You know, and if you think about that, that in itself argues against infant baptism. If those things are necessary prerequisites of being baptized, an infant can't be taught, can't believe, can't, doesn't need to repent. We think they, we think they're born sinless according to the Bible. But even if they did need to repent, they wouldn't be capable of it, and they certainly can't confess verbally their faith in Jesus Christ. They couldn't do any of the necessary prerequisites to be baptized scripturally. And that in itself argues against infant baptism. Okay. All right. Now I have a, I have a question here about Randy's comment. Again, we appreciate Randy for for being uh, the dissenting opinion tonight, and, and we do appreciate him for taking time to send in his comments and. Um, he says that a person, the prerequisite for the person being baptized is that they understand why they are being baptized. My question is, would be, with Randy's understanding of that, why are they being baptized and what Scripture explains why they're being baptized? I agree with that statement. I think a 
prerequisite of true Bible baptism is you must understand why you're being baptized. But the issue is, as we've talked about all night tonight, is that we differ on what is that purpose of baptism. And again, we'd have to find from the scriptures what that purpose is, and with the understanding that you're saved before you're baptized, what is the purpose uh, that, of your baptism? What, what do the scriptures teach as being the reason why you'd be baptized? 877-381-4567. If you hurry, we can take your call or send in your comments in the chat room or over email. You know, Jay, what we do when we talk about the plan of salvation, and that, uh, probably our viewers are seeing me hold up the fingers of one hand, I often do that to, to recite the steps in the plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. If someone says, find me one verse of Scripture where all five of those things are mentioned together. Well, there's several verses that mention various aspects of it, but what we do to get the whole picture is take everything the Bible says on the subject of baptism, put them together to come to that conclusion. Because there are passages that mention baptism without other uh, aspects of, of what the Lord has commanded us to do, and so we have to take all of the, the Scripture in order uh, to understand what God would have us to do. Okay, we got a question in the chat room. I think if I go back up here, I think John brought it up uh, initially. Uh, he asked the question about the apostles, who baptized the apostles. Uh, I don't see. I can't, I'm, I'm having trouble going back there. But uh, when were they baptized, someone might ask. And there is a question about John's baptism. Uh, John's baptism was... Uh, to prepare the way for Christ, and you know the question was, did the apostles have to be baptized on the day of Pentecost, and if so, who baptized them? The, the text in Acts 2 does not uh, address that at all. The, the broader question was, were those people who were baptized by John's baptism, did they have to be baptized again on or after Pentecost in the name of Jesus Christ? That's a that's an interesting question. It's obviously a moot point yeah. because mm -hmm. none of us are in that condition. It doesn't really matter to us or our salvation. It's an interesting thing to debate. I'm of the opinion that they did. I know uh, in Acts chapter 19, we have the story of those men in Ephesus who were rebaptized. Some people argue that that was much later after Pentecost, that they were baptized by John's baptism after Pentecost. Which I, I, it was now null and void. And I don't think you can necessarily prove that, time, that chron chronology. But I, I think the answer to the question is best seen in Acts 2 itself. When the, when the Jews in Jerusalem were convicted that they were guilty of crucifying God's own son, they said in verse 37, men and brethren, what shall we do? There was one answer given. Among that assembled multitude, there almost certainly were many who had been baptized in John's baptism. There were not two answers given. It, it, Peter did say, well, now, if you've been already baptized by John, then you don't have to do that again. But if you haven't been baptized by John, you've got to be baptized. He, he didn't offer two answers. He gave the same answer to them all, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. But you didn't answer the question. What was the question? What about the apostles? I don't know. I think we just have to leave that alone. Uh, as, as to who baptized them, when, and, and so forth, I, I, I don't know. All right. Bible doesn't say. Okay. All right. Uh, they could have been baptized uh, maybe by Christ, you think, after his resurrection? I don't know. We don't know. Doesn't say. All right. Well, Anthony, thanks for being behind the controls tonight. hope you didn't uh, get set back too much in your recovery there. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed I lost the Anthony cam. The oh, camp's yeah, down. it went offline. Oh, no. I know You're all of our viewers are disappointed. The viewers, the viewers are, disappointed. are very disappointed. <laughs> Thanks for being there, Anthony. Thanks. Anthony. Always a pleasure. And, uh, Dad, what are we going to talk about next week? Not sure, but we'll be open to your suggestions. As always, if you got an idea for something to discuss on the Virtual Bible, so they send it in. We might do a whole program on it, or we might add it to our stack of stuff. And, and We've got some good questions form. that are piling up. We might do an open forum here pretty soon. And uh, thanks to Jim in Mount Pleasant for sending in the topic for tonight. Exactly. All right, Dad, thank you for your time. All right, thank you. Thank you for being on the other end of the line, and thank you if you're listening in the podcast version. We're welcoming your comments and questions anytime, even if you are listening to us in the recorded version. Uh, send your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com or call us, 877-381-4567. We hope you have benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word on the program tonight, and we hope you'll make plans. We'll be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, Study his inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.